Episode 13 of the Pilot to Pilot podcast takes off now. What is going on, Aviation Nation, and welcome back to the Pilot to Pilot podcast. My name is Justin, and I'm your host. Today, we are talking with one of the most famous aviation meme artists of 2017. That's right, it's 2017. You can be a meme artist now. But we are talking with Derek from Airline Pilot Memes, and we talk about so much in this episode. Some of the things that we talked about in this episode are how Derek was a career changer. He had a job. He was getting paid over $60,000 to be a civil engineer and walked away from that. We talk about why he walked away, how we finished his training within eight months of quitting his job, and how he had side jobs to help pay for his job. We talk about the difficulties that he faced in his training and how everyone will face their own difficulties in their own training, how he flew five times a week, two times a day to finish his training as fast as possible. There's so much more we talk about. We talk about sports, we laugh a lot, and we talk about how this is the best job in the world and how right now is the best time to get into this industry. I cannot wait to share this episode with you guys. It is such a good episode. I think that everyone can take away something from this, whether you are looking to be a career changer, whether you just graduated college, you're like, man, I really wish I could fly planes, or whether you're an airline pilot, we talk about the mentality that you need to have to get through this career and what you need to remember when you're down on this job. I wanna go and remind you guys about an awesome promotion that we're doing with Log10 Pro. If you go to redeem.log10.com backslash pilot to pilot, you have the opportunity to save 12 to 23% on a Log10 Pro X subscription. And let's face it, saving money in this industry is huge. That is money that you can put toward your training. So go ahead and head to that website and I hope that you take advantage of that. We are putting together a website. It is in the works right now. Hopefully it will be out soon. We want all your feedback on what you want from a website from us. Do you want merchandise? Do you want a place where you can post your stories online that everyone else can read? As always, if you enjoy this podcast, please let us know. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to our Instagram, at pilot pilot where you can comment or DM us. It is an amazing thing that we get to hear from you guys and hear how this podcast is impacting your career and just let us know. We love talking with you guys. Oh, and one more thing before we start, we are launching a pilot to pilot Patreon. If you want to support us and help us create the best content possible, head to our Patreon account. Just go to patreon.com slash pilot the pilot and you can help support us and help us create the best content possible. Don't feel like you have to give. This is just for you if you really love the podcast and you want to help us grow. I hope you guys really enjoy this episode, like I said before. And without further ado, here's Derek. Hey, Derek. Thanks for coming on the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Hey, uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Justin. No problem. I'm really glad we get this worked out. It's uh, it's really cool that I just reached out to you 24 hours ago, and here we are sitting today having a conversation. Yeah, what uh, we we reply to every single email, like uh, as long as it's not spam or you're trying to request money and uh, <laughs> and whatnot, we'll, we'll we'll reply to you for sure. For sure. Well, that's awesome. That's good to know. For anyone that wants to reach out to you guys, go ahead and reach out, and they'll re- they'll respond back. Yeah, we will. Well, cool. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, the first question I have for you is, why become a pilot? What was the inspiration behind you getting into aviation? Well, so I I, uh, I never thought I'd be a pilot, to be honest with you. I went to college. I did engineering, and I was a civil engineer. Uh, obviously, the easiest engineering that you can get into. <laughs> obviously. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I woke up one morning. I was driving to work. I lasted about four months in the industry, and my office was right next to an airport. And I'd done some... Uh, some basic like uh, introductory flights before and I looked out the window and there's this airport and these guys are just doing laughs in the pattern. I was like, some guy's getting paid to, to fly. Why can't I do it? So I walked into my boss's office about four days later and I handed him my two weeks notice, quit my job and uh, went straight ahead 
and uh, and ended up finishing my uh, finishing my commercial pilot instructors uh, certificates and all that good stuff. Uh, just about uh, I want to say eight months later, I, I treated it like it was a full time job and uh, completely quit my job. I did not work. Um, now I did do side gigs and and uh, and fueled airplanes and and you know did that stuff at the FBO, but pretty much uh, my wife wanted to kill me. <laughs> I can imagine. I know, just like going in aviation and you have to spend so much money to become a pilot and it's very daunting and it seems like it, it'd take forever to happen, but it's really cool that you did it in eight months and you could recognize the fact that it's something you need to devote your whole time to so you can get this done as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and a lot of people, uh, you know, when you make that jump into the, into the industry like that, it's, it's overwhelming and, and, uh, everyone faces their own challenges and, I faced my own. I'm sure, sure some of you guys out there have will will face your own challenges, and not to say anyone's more or less, but uh, it is. It's a tough industry to cut your teeth in, and it's and it's really, 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 really challenging if you don't have the dedication to do it. For sure, if you don't have the dedication to do it, or if you don't have a support system, it's like you had your wife, who I'm sure eventually she got over the fact that you quit your job and she was willing to support you and get through it. But it's a tough thing. It is. It is. I uh, when I quit my job out of college uh, as an engineer, I was making about sixty two thousand dollars a year, and uh, my wife and I were very comfortable. My wife has a great job, and uh, I quit that. I I walked out of that with zero dollars. I had about $10,000 in my pocket that I had saved up over the years, um, which obviously isn't a whole much in today's terms, but this was back in uh, 2010. And um, next thing you know, I, uh, I left a $60,000 a year paying job. My wife was like, what are you doing? Uh, my father-in-law wanted to literally kill me. <laughs> uh, my, my parents were questioning like, are, are you an idiot? And, uh, and I, and I did, I, I quit my job, full fledged, quit my job, made $10,000 last me for about two months on flying. And, uh, I was able to get my private Now I flew five days a week when I could, when the weather was good, two times a day. And then I picked up some part-time jobs around the airport to help fund that. And then, uh, and then my parents, uh, my parents helped me out with, uh, with a little bit of cash. And then I paid them back as soon as I finished my first, uh, first year to regional. So it was a long road to, uh, to recovery in terms of, of making that salary or, or getting money to pay, pay the people back that I owed money. And I, I'm not kidding when I say it, I, I left that job with $10,000 in my pocket and I had no money coming in. It was, it was a wake up call. That's crazy, man. Like I can't even imagine it had to be so hard to actually like, I'm sure you realize that aviation, aviation was for you just watching these planes. And once the bug comes calling, it's hard to say no to it, but you full fledged went on to it to make it a career. And especially after you already graduated college, after you had a good job that paid a lot and you were able to, to say no to that and kind of go after it. And that's awesome. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a, uh, it was a challenging time. I, uh, I treated it like a full-time job. I woke up every single morning. I was up by 7am I was hitting the books until about eight and uh, reading while, while breakfast. And then I'd fly in the morning and then uh, come home, take an afternoon break, do a little bit of studying. And then I'd fly in the evening again. And I did that routine for just about, I want to say that was the routine for about six months. It was, it was pretty strenuous. That's crazy, man. That is uh that's really cool. Like, it's really important, like we said earlier, a little bit earlier, just to, to fully devote all your time to it because 
look where you got in eight months, you were able to get everything done. Where some people it takes two to three years, but it's possible for you to do it if you actually put yeah. the time into it and you treat it like a full-time job. Like it should be treated like a full-time job. I've talked in yep. other podcasts where the faster you get your time, the faster you're going to be able to get to the airline, the fat, the better seniority number you're going to get, the more you're going to set yourself up for a better aviation career than when you spell it out over a long period of time. Yeah. It's a, it's a great time to get into the industry. Uh, it's, it's glad that you point that out because, uh, everything is timing. So if, if you hurry and make the jump and then you know that this is something you want to do and you don't look back, uh, you're going to be better off in the long run. Now it may hurt. It may be uncomfortable. It may be painful at times, but, uh, but the rewards that come back to you in the long run are, are far, far exceeding any of the pain that you endure. Oh, for sure. I mean, I don't know how much money you could ever top out being an engineer or civil engineer, but you said you're making 62 grand, but a lot of people, they don't, there's not much going up from there. Like I'm sure maybe at the end of like 30 years, it'll be up to a hundred grand or maybe a little bit more, but as an airline pilot or as fly for net jets, you have the opportunity to make really good money, like life changing money, like 250 grand a year, up to $300,000 or plus, depending on what airline you get hired on. Yeah. Yeah. The opportunities inside the industry and, and, and it's, it's so flexible in terms of what you want to do. I mean, some guys choose a career flight instructor path. Some guys choose a corporate path. Some guys choose a cargo path. Some guys choose an airline path. Uh, it's all based on what you want to do. Uh, no job in aviation. I treat uh, it with a higher regard than the next one. I, I consider a, a flight instructor just as valuable to the industry as I do a, an A380 captain. I mean, both of them are doing a job to either one, provide transportation service or two, foster the industry with new pilots. So without either one of those two people and then the spectrum in between, uh, that right there is going to, uh, that right there is going to make the industry grow and it shouldn't be held with any, any less regard, whether whatever position or, or route you choose. Oh, for sure. If you want to make being a CFI your full-time career, like I give you all the props in the world. Like that is awesome. I personally wasn't called to be a CFI. I, I don't know if I would have been the best CFI ever, but there's people out there that are really good at teaching and maybe you should be a CFI because you are there to help, like you said, foster the, the next generation and the next pilots and you serve a great role. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, man, I, I flight instructed, uh, it was my first job after I, after I got my pilot certificates and man, I'll tell you what, I worked harder doing that job for less money. Now, granted, I did all my training through a part 61 program. And then I was getting my own clients through my own advertising and, and my own word of mouth. But man, I'll tell you what, the rewarding aspect of being a flight instructor is instant gratification uh, in terms of seeing your students develop and in terms of seeing your students grow. Now that it is not, it's, it's not for everyone, man. I mean, I'll tell you what kids are going to, or not kids, but, but your students in general, they're going to try to kill you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no way around that. I, uh, I mean, I, I, I've, I've almost been killed by students and I'm sure I almost killed my flight instructor a couple of times. I just never knew it. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, you, it is, it's challenging just like, you know, flying, flying heavy metal across, across an ocean, you know, it's long hours and, and, and you're working, it's a different type of fatigue. Uh, and, and, and you can, you can make whatever choice you want in your career, but, um, definitely flight instructing is a, uh, is a, a very challenging path. If, if, if you're a brand new flight instructor, I mean, a brand new flight instructor is a tough, tough job. Oh yeah. And even just getting your CFI is tough, like figuring out a way to translate 
knowledge that seems so simple to you to someone that's never learned it before it's like how does a wing work it's like well how do you not know how a wing works like it just works <laughs> it's like you yeah. have to figure out how someone learns and the way that they can process this information and every student's different so it's, it's just unbelievable yep. what they have to go through to get a pilot to where they are to be able to get a job to be able to be a cfi to fly a 787 and stuff like that yeah, it's a it's a very dynamic job. And uh, I remember the first day that I was a flight instructor and I knew that I'd gotten myself into a job that, that one, I loved and two, I hated. Um, both at the same time, I was flying all day and I loved to fly, um, which was great. But at the end of this day, uh, a, a flight instructor buddy of mine, him and I both, literally, it was a round robin around the clock Um job like i mean i started at like 8 a.m and i did not get done flying until like 9 p.m that night and between the uh the changeovers and the briefing and a lunch break i think i blocked that day like total flight time i want to say just about eight hours of flight time that one day it was incredible it was absolutely incredible yeah that's crazy i mean that's a lot of time to be flight training that's unbelievable yeah yeah a lot of near-death experiences that's i'm for, sure for yeah sure. and we'll we'll hopefully get into some of those stories in a little bit but i kind of want to focus more on your training a little bit more because you did you just went after it and that's crazy like you did everything so fast what did you struggle with anything or did everything kind of come natural to you i know that you're an engineer and there's a lot of school for that so you're used to studying you know it was nice it was nice still being fresh in the learning process you know because i'd come out of college about six months earlier um, and, and I was, and I was still, uh, I was still sharp. Uh, however, um, I, I don't think that it's, it, it should limit you in, in any aspect. If you haven't been to school in a couple of years, I'd say if it's something you want to do and you've been out of school for years, you can definitely do it. Um, struggle wise, uh, my biggest thing that I struggled with was reverse sensing, uh, when I did my instrument training. And uh, I did the old school, uh, the needles and the VORs and the localizer with the little crosshairs on it, yeah. and uh, and and flying those, flying those uh, those approaches and and flying those needles was one of the hardest things that uh, for me I had to overcome. Now I could spatially orient myself, but I was always second guessing my position, and for me that was hard to get over. You know, when you're when you're not able to see a ground reference. To where you are, uh, it, it was very hard for me to be like, wait a minute, is this needle going this way? And am I supposed to go that way with the needle, or am I supposed to go the backwards way, or what am I doing here? To from, uh, and is this thing even working? You know, right. like, <laughs> like you're looking at it, you're like, this thing's from like 1950. <laughs> How the hell am I supposed to tell myself? where I know I am. So for me, I was very logical and, and very methodical about how I did it. But then I'm, I'm one of those guys, I have to see how it works to understand it. So I had to, I had to dissect it a little bit and I had to, I had to, uh, digest the material. I, I think digesting it, it helped, you know, give yourself a breather every couple of days and, and put the books away and, uh, go out, have a few beers with your, with your friends and come back. And, and in two days, you'll be surprised at the amount of, uh, progress that you made just by giving yourself a rest. And, and for me, that was paramount in, uh, in ensuring that I managed my time and my life efficiently so that I wasn't burning myself out so that I wasn't getting so overwhelmed with the material that I didn't understand. Yeah. And like you said, you need, you need time to kind of just get away. Like you, so many people can burn themselves out of aviation and I've seen it happen before where someone just gets tired of it or they hit a mental block and they think they can never get over it. And where you kind of stepped away or you periodically had times where you had fun and you weren't studying all the time and other people just 
just stopped falling. But you were able to look at that and kind of take the course that needed to happen where you could progress your career. And I completely agree. It's hard to trust your instruments when you know like some random mechanic that you don't even know was working on your plane. And I remember when I was doing my training, I, I had trouble with the ILS, like trusting. I always second guess myself if I was below or above. I was like, well, which way does the needle work? Like, is this, am I sure I'm right on and stuff like that? So I completely understand yeah. with what you're talking about. That, that was probably the most challenging part for me. Uh, instrument training was... Instrument training was the the most challenging for me, and then uh, I think I, I I mentioned it before, you know, balancing your life and and finding a way to cut in that time for yourself, and and also devoting time to yourself, not specifically flying, but you know, get out and do something different and uh, do something other than airplanes through your training. That'll that'll help uh, expand uh, your learning ability as well too, just to kind of shut the brain off and and give it a rest. For sure, yeah, you need to have something other in aviation just to make it in this industry because you'll drive yourself nuts just thinking about if you're a bad pilot or things you messed up on or things you can do better just you need to get away you need to go out and have fun and hang out with friends and get away yeah definitely yeah definitely in this in this industry i i, I hate to say it but there's a lot of people that uh that that don't have that balance not a lot but there is there's a few people out there that uh that lack that balance and and they end up developing uh hazardous attributes you know you read about them in the the books and and things like that and you're like dude just take a break man take a break and don't let it don't let it get to you you know don't let the airline get you down like like no one wants to be yeah. the person that complains forever. It's like, dude, we're flying huge airplanes right now. Like this is awesome. Let's just enjoy it right now. Yeah, yeah. You definitely have to kind of sit back and, and enjoy the ride a little bit too. And don't don't let it get the don't let it get the worst of you. And, and if you do, you'll end up on on our pages for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and no one wants to be on that, right? No, no, no. That's going to be taught in like initial training at every either airline or just your first lessons and be like, all right, don't do this or you end up on airline pilot memes. Don't do this or yeah. you end up here. Don't be a meme. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll, be the, you'll be the student pilot audio on yeah. ATC. <laughs> Folks, if you're learning this, listen up because there's important stuff to learn. We hold no bars. All right, we're coming after you right, right? now. Don't be a bitter dickhead. Sorry. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, if the way you look at it, like the stuff that you post, even like save it is like kind of poking fun at the situation, but someone can be listening to it and kind of learn from that and be like, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that. So in a way, you're yeah. also providing a service to help clean it up. So yeah, I think uh, through the pages, I mean, it's kind of a little off topic, but uh, we are talking about some of uh, some of the content that we post and uh, and even ATC memes and some of the stuff that we do here. Uh, Ball Rock is one of the admins over here at, uh, at Airline Pilot Memes. He's the guy that did those Lego pilot videos. And we talk about some of the stuff and uh, you, you kind of look at your reach and you look at your exposure and things like that. And we have heard through the grapevine that some of these videos and some of our content has been even shown in training part departments at airlines and like UND and Emory Riddle. It's just, it's kind of funny, you know, like we'll get this picture, we'll get this submission where guys like, I was in my class and I saw one of your pictures that the professor pulled up on the, on the PowerPoint slide. And it's like, you know, it does, it, it, it does kind of have a learning objectives to uh, objective to it as offensive as some of the things can be uh we try not to cross that line but there is some educational aspect to it for real and I, i'm sure you guys will admit that it's all in good fun like you don't have anything against any of these people and i know no, that you'd be no. the first one to say that you guys have made your own mistakes that you laugh at and that's part of being a pilot is you have to, to laugh at what you did and learn from it because that's the only way you get better is just by learning from mistakes 
You're exactly right, Justin. One of the things that we do, and and here at Airline Pilot Memes, ATC Memes is a is a little bit more open, but we've actually put our own pictures in some of our memes of our own mistakes. <laughs> and uh, and if we can't if we can't find humor in in our own mistakes, and that's a true story. I've memed myself twice on that page, and uh, and and just randomly, like they they kind of take off. And I've made the mistakes. I've done the mistakes. Uh, I mean, I don't walk on water, and uh, and and I know no one in this industry does. And I, I for certain, one hundred percent, that I have memed myself on that page twice. I know for a fact. And then all of those instances uh, from some of the content that we do create is a uh, is a is a parody of my real life or the other admins' real life experiences. And it's 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 real life. I think that's what engages people the most. Oh, for sure. And like you said, we've all made mistakes. We're all not St. Sullenberger, you know. We can't all land on the Hudson. <laughs> so. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. If I, had a, if I had a nickel for every time someone messaged me that St. Sullenberger something, man, I, I'll tell you what, I could, I could quit my job today and, uh, and, I'd be, and I'd be going. I never thought that would take off the way that it did. We did that. I, I'm the one that painted that picture. And uh, I did that to bring light to the fact that he's a human and what he did was great. What he did was uh, truly unfathomable. And regardless of what he said uh, to certain demographics in the industry, or regardless if you like him or you don't like him, what the guy did was, was truly remarkable. And then uh, to hold him at such a high regard, I think is, is, is what should be expected, but there has to be uh, like a Saturday night live skit of, of <laughs> this where it's like, you kind of have to bring this human element into it and make people make, make fun of the fact that that's who he is just to remind yourself that he was a human being that did something so, so great and so miraculous at the same time. So that's, that's the story behind that St. Sullenberg, man. That thing, <laughs> that thing got us, dude, that thing got us sued, man. And, and Oh uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that thing got us sued pretty good, and uh, we we had we had to take we had to take a few things down from the website and the page uh, regarding that in reference to uh, to a specific wor- uh, a specific five letter word uh, around the same time that that movie came out. So, oh wow, I wouldn't even think about that. Who would have thought? Because you were probably thinking that you're some like small website, like you're not thinking that that's going to take off like it did. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, dude, it was it was truly unbelievable. That was. That was probably one of those. Uh, that was probably like one of those moments in your life where you you like, geez, man, how the hell did that happen? And then within within I would say like within twenty four hours, that thing was just all over every forum. It was all over every Facebook page. It was all. Over, I mean, it was just it was incredible. It was great. It was it was it was next to next to my marriage, my kids being born, and <laughs> I'll probably remember. January 2nd of 2017 when I when I sent that picture out to the world. That's hilarious, man. That is so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sure your wife would appreciate you through marrying her above <laughs> creating St. Sullenberger. <laughs> and, our, and our kids, you know. Yeah. I mean, but it's a it's a close third, man. It's a, yeah, it's a it's real close. close third. Depending on the day, right? Depending on how the kids are, it goes up between <laughs> second and third. 
Oh yeah, yeah, man. I mean, sometimes it's sometimes it's a first, <laughs> <laughs> a solid number one. Yeah, it's just, sometimes it's a solid number one, depending on how my wife is acting towards. Uh, I completely understand. That's awesome, man. That is so cool. I, I think it's really cool. Like, I like the how you worded that and how like just bring a human element to this in aviation. Because like you said, he he did an amazing thing. He was presented with a terrible situation and he made the best of it. He didn't make a bad situation worse. And it's we gotta give him props or give him credit where credit's due. But at the same time, he's still a human being, and that's not yeah. to say that someone else couldn't have done that like i mean we don't know how other people would react obviously they did the simulator yeah. test and it didn't go as well but you also yeah. it's a great thing that he did and, and i think it's really cool that you guys are trying to bring a human aspect to it as well yeah 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 you have to you have to keep it grounded and you know i i i, I admire the guy for for the accomplishment that he had you know and and uh it, it was it was great but I'll, I'll tell you what that uh that picture uh was a 100 percent parody i just put it out there for everyone and uh and it was it was meant to just remind the world that there is a, a human element to these things that happen and uh and and there is a human being that's flying this airplane and and uh at some point you know it's like uh it's like a it's like a good donald trump joke on saturday night live you have to <laughs> you have sure. to remind them you have to remind the world that there's a that there's a human being running twitter you know so that's what we strive to do you know we strive to add humor to the to the industry and 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 create a create an open environment where uh where there's uh where there's an open engagement of people that can that can like follow and and share the the content and 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 interpret it whatever way you want to there's a there's a great aspect of that, you know. For sure. It's a good community you guys are building because I know that even just reading the comments, you guys are active commenting and, it, and there's a lot of comments that are just going back and forth and it's it's really like introducing pilots to each other and just... Oh, yeah. It's great. It's great fun. It's probably the, probably, probably the most fun I've had in a long time. That's good, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's never a dull moment with you guys. Oh, no, man. When uh, So there's there's uh, there's a few of us that run the page and then there's the guys at ATC Memes uh, that run the page. And when we got together, uh, we got together down in Houston and we were shipping out all the, the stickers and stuff and we did a live video and then we kind of did a did an interview and stuff. And and uh, for the first time for me, it was my first time being on camera and I, I was kind of shy. Um, my artistic side, I, I express obviously through the internet being a, a meme artist, if that's something. Uh, <laughs> it's 2017, but, <laughs> so it's something now. <laughs> you can be whatever you want. Right? Yeah, man. Uh, so, and, and for me, it was, it was kind of odd, but I, I'll tell you what, we went out and had beers and, uh, I got this text message from one of the admins over at ATC memes. And he's like, I, I told him I was on, you know, I, I got the jump seat down to Houston and I was like, I'm on. And he texted me back and he's like, it's going to be a creative orgy of the minds. And I'll tell you what, it was nothing short of that. We had such a good time. Uh, those guys were, were more than hospitable to me down in Houston. Uh, the other admin wasn't able to make it down there. He had to work. Uh, but, but man, I'll tell you what, we, we had a really good time and it was really fun. And there's a couple other guys that live close by me that, uh, that have helped me with the page and stuff like that. And, and they're real good guys. You know, once you get about two or three beers and, and, and Photoshop or pilot jokes in general, and then next thing you know, like I'm running inside, grabbing my notepad, writing things down. It's just, it takes off. It does. It takes off. That's really cool. Yeah, it's cool to see that you guys are actually working together, and like the the meme war was like all in good fun, and just see who could create the best thing. And it was just a lot of fun to watch, and a lot of fun to to stay up with and see where it's yeah. gotten to today. Yeah, and and in, in the industry, I, I think that's a big thing uh, for for people coming into this industry. It's very close. It's very tight knit. Uh, you're gonna see rivalries just like you do. I'm a, I'm a big sports fan, uh, big baseball, big college football fan, and um, 
the uh, the rivalries inside the industry uh, can can get a little a little bitter and a little distasteful at times, uh, but never let that under undermine uh, the common goal that we're all trying to do a job here. We're all trying to reach our career goals. Uh, there are certain paths in this industry that are less glamorous than some of the other paths that other people have taken uh, and, and other airlines that may not have treated their employees as good as other airlines. But remember, we're all trying to create a living for ourselves and we're all going to go to work and we're all that we all come home at the end of that day and and if we can add a little bit of fun and and still share the the glories and the pitfalls through humor uh that's what we do it it is a very tight-knit very very close community so uh definitely uh, know that 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 is uh, a good thing or a bad thing depending on how you want to you know uh interpret that message but it's a very close and a very tight-knit industry Oh, for sure. And just, I think even just aviation or the Instagram aviation aspect can further that, like how small it is and how close it is and how everyone's mainly everyone's there to help everyone out. Like if you reach out to someone, they'll help you out. You have a question, like you can create some good relationships on Instagram and it's really cool. But you, like you said, everyone has the same common goal on an airline. Once you're in that cockpit with someone, it doesn't matter. Say my dad flies for American Airlines and he's gone through a bunch of mergers. It doesn't matter if you're America West, if you're old US Airways, if you're American and you're not American, like you guys are flying together, you have to get past any kind of seniority issues you have, any kind of pay issues you have, or anything else that's kind of hurt you in the past. And you got to put it together so you guys can create a safe flight and a good environment for people. And like you said, the better you guys interact with each other, the further your careers can go and the, the better everyone will, the happier everyone will be. Yeah. You know, uh, one, one thing that I kind of, uh, I, I kind of correlate this to and, and, um, and I'm not sure, I don't know if pilots were, were in, in, for, as a pilot group, I don't know how many of them were involved in sports or how many were involved in extracurricular activities. But one thing that I learned growing up that I translated into this industry that has helped me a lot is uh, is is the mentality. I and and I I hate to use this term, but it's like the game like the game time mindset. Um, I played it. I I played some sports uh, through through college and and then did a little semi pro stuff uh, shortly after I got out of the military. And uh, I'll be I'll be 100 honest with you, man. When when you show up to work, it, it's like Peyton Manning does. You know, it's like you know that guy's there to win a ball game. And regardless of the offensive line that was there on the other side of the field last season, they're now protecting him with that same common goal. So you'll you'll see that in the in the airline industry a lot, where you know you'll see companies merge into uh, to another, or you'll see regional pilots from different regionals move on and come to a major. And and again, it's that same common goal mentality. Sure, there's a rivalry. But uh, 100% you're there to win the ball game, and in this sense, that ball game is is safety at, at a paramount. So I always kind of do that. I get myself in this mental preparation state. Uh, I kind of leave the Facebook page alone. I kind of leave uh, my my home life alone. Uh, whatever has 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 been tasking me, and uh, and I kind of shut that off, and then I go into a work mode uh, while I drive to the airport, and then uh, by usually the end of day four the game is over and i'm and i'm ready to go to the locker room and and not even deal with uh with what happened on the field and and for some people they fail to adapt that mentality and they hold on to those things and it can create a hazardous uh hazardous attitude or it can create a negative attitude and just remember that uh 
next week you're going to go back to a different four day and and it and it's going to be a different game the benefit that we have as airline pilots or as pilots in general is that game is going to continue hopefully as long as we're safe we're still going to show up next week to next week's game we're still going to keep going we don't have a super bowl or a, or a playoff where where it's end all be all and we're done i mean that's age 65 for us and i'm still going to probably land the airplane the exact same way that i did now as i will when i'm 65 so we have that benefit but never let that game time mentality and that teamwork mentality uh uh uh, fail to exist it's a huge thing that you can learn and if you haven't participated in sports and you are coming into aviation join a softball league or uh, join a soccer team or, or 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 something to uh to learn what that game time mentality is you know when the lights come on and you start to get in that rhythm and then when the lights shut off you know it's time to go home and uh and it's and it's uh it's time to time to do your thing and you did your job and and uh and and hopefully uh hopefully we all walk away safely and you we we win a game you know oh for sure i love how you link it to sports because i mean i played sports my whole life played sports in college and i had plenty of teammates that hated each other personally but they needed to to love each other on the field, and they were able to do that. And they were able to offensive line blocking for a quarterback or receiver or doesn't like whatever. But they were able to come up together for one common goal, and that was the end of the year to, to win a championship. And like you said, our championship is every individual flight. It's every individual leg. Yep. Like that is your Super Bowl kind of. Like I know age 65 is also like the end-all, be-all to – commercial flying but treat every single flight as your super bowl and yes. i talked in a previous podcast with uh kurt and he was telling a story about how he just didn't get along with a pilot with a captain or an fo and he actually removed himself from the flight and sometimes that needs to happen if you can't create a safe environment and there is not a good environment in that cockpit then it, maybe it, the decision comes that you need to remove yourself from that trip for the safety of the passengers and the safety of that flight yeah, and that, that's a very good point that you bring that up. Uh, you'll see, uh, and 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 back to sports, I'll kind of kind of intermingle it here. But uh, if there's a cancer, right? You know, you've got an abscess tooth, or you've got a like you've got a like cancer of some sort. The doctor's going to remove it. Um, you don't you don't want that. You don't want a cancer being around. Just like you look at some of these athletes in the professional realm who are, who have been a cancer, and uh, and they create an environment that's toxic to the team. Uh, never underestimate the power that you have as an individual to make a good sound judgment for the team. Um, now again, the common goal is, is the completion and safety of the flight and then, uh, the safety of the passengers, the safety of the crew and, and likewise, but, uh, never hesitate that if something is so toxic, it is so toxic to the point where you have, uh, you have been impacted mentally to a point where you know, it's not safe. Uh, never hesitate to to call yourself and and have a gut check moment and say, "Am I really ready to do this?" Because there are people in the back or uh, or property in the back, uh, not to mention the property of the airline or the company you work for. But they are all there back there, and they don't have time, nor are they paying for uh, for the toxicity of the environment that you're in right there. Oh, without a doubt, yeah, no, they're paying to get the point A to point B as fast and as safe as possible, and it's not up to you to 
to ruin that because you have a petty relationship with someone or you're letting distractions come into to your work life from your personal life. Like you said, it's it's very important to separate that because once you're in the cockpit, it's it's all business. It's kind of like yeah. you t- it's kind of like you were saying earlier. It's like there's a there's a time and place for everything. There's a time and place for ATC memes or airline pilot memes. There's a time and place to joke around, and then there's a time and place to be serious and get the job done. And that can go with anything. Go with sports and go with flying and go with your your just life in general. It's like you need to yeah. to learn to grow up and be mature and get the job done. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, Justin. That's a great point. But yeah, regardless of how good you are. Uh, or, or how skilled you are, or how coordinated you are. Uh, you may be great at flying, but uh, you may lack team development skills or, or whatever. Give that, a, give that a check out. You know, go to your local recreation facility, join a softball league and, uh, or, or a soccer team and, and see what it's like to get in the game time or the game mentality, you know. And it's, it's a rush. It's a rush for me. I, I, I still, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid-30s and I still get that rush. Uh, when I, even at, even at beer league softball, I still get that rush and it's like, I'll never, I'll never get over that. And that's the same way that I do when I show up to work. It's, it's that rush for me knowing that I'm going into the game. I know we're talking a lot about sports here and some pilots don't want to be into sports, but I can relate sports to being a pilot so much. It's one of the reasons why I fell in love with aviation is just the, the individual competition that I have with myself. Or even when I was training, I'd have competitions with my flight instructor, see who could have the best landing. And every single flight, you're always trying to better what you've done before and you're always trying to be the best that you can be. And there's always all these different variables and adversity that you have to adhere to and you have to kind of change. And not every flight's the same. So every single day, what happened, what worked one day might not work the next day. So it's a, a fluid situation and you always have to be on top of your game and it's it's addicting to the rush like you said and that rush can can really make either make you a really good pilot or it can some people fold under it so it's it's important to learn how to handle that and like you said about recreational sports if you don't know if you're good around people if you don't know that you have a good crm or crew resource management go hang out go try to play a football game if if guys try to hang out with you or people like to talk to you you'll realize really fast (laughs) (laughs) hanging out with a bunch of guys playing playing a competitive sport so go do that and learn some skills because I know that a lot of people I've talked to at some airlines and, and even fractional jobs is they tell me that you can teach someone how to fly an airplane, but what they're looking for a lot is a good person that can bind to the company culture and someone that they can sit in an airplane for eight hours with. Yep, yep. You have to adapt to it. You have to adapt to that situation. So you were you got your commercial rating, got everything really fast, and you chose to be a flight instructor. Did you ever have any other options? Did you ever think about maybe being a survey pilot or did you know you wanted to be an instructor? You know, uh, when I, when I came into the industry, it was, uh, about 2009 to 2000, well, probably like 2009 to 2012. So the economy was still a little sluggish. Uh, corporate aviation departments were, weren't booming or nor were they growing. Uh, regional airline upgrades when I first got hired at a regional was about, uh, was about 10 years. So there was a lot of stagnation still in the industry. And, uh, and what had happened was the only opportunity that I could find for myself where I was close to my home, uh, was being a flight instructor. Now, shortly after I became a flight instructor and I started building time, uh, more doors and and more opportunities opened because let's be real with each other. No one's going to hire a pilot with 251 hours to go and fly a Learjet at seven, four at flight level 360 or whatever they cruise at. So I, I did find a corporate job after about, uh, after about uh, nine months of instructing, and uh, I flew uh, Cirrus uh, for about I want to say three to four months, and then the company ended up bringing on a uh, Pilatus. They upgraded, and then uh, after that, I was I, I had moved on to a uh, to a regional, and uh, I didn't fly the Pilatus very much. 
and uh and that those are kind of the only only avenues that i had um the location that i was at wasn't uh very booming in terms of corporate aviation and and didn't have such a uh, such a profound uh, exposure like you do like you see in like scottsdale or you see in you know daytona or or some of the the larger areas i, I just didn't have that exposure so uh personally i i think it was more of a of a career path choice that um i i chose I'm sure if I really had looked out there and would have been willing to move or relocate, I probably could have took something a little bit more different. But uh, I I chose to say flight instructing. I like the guys that I work with. They were all cool guys, great environment. So I didn't, it didn't bother me. No, yeah, for sure. Would you say that you, like those corporate jobs that you got, do you think it helped you out that you hung out at the airport a lot and you did the odd jobs? Did you meet those people doing that or how did you go about getting those jobs? Um, the odd jobs I had were from people that would come into the flight school and ask for something random. And I would say nine times out of 10, actually probably 99 times out of a hundred, we had to, we had to say no, uh, just for the simple fact that it wasn't legal. Like, you know, it was like, Hey, can you fly me to Flagstaff tomorrow? And we're like, well, we need to be a 135 to do that. And they, they don't get that, you know, like the general public doesn't get that. So I would have loved to have done that. But some of the odd jobs that I did pick up, uh, were like ferrying airplanes. Uh, anytime the flight school brought on another, uh, brought on another aircraft to the fleet, I went and volunteered first one in line every single time. I was like, dude, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I, dude, I'm telling you, I was flying some shady stuff in the middle of the night over the Rocky Mountains. And it was, it was like one of those things that the, the more experience you get, the less risk you're willing to take type of stuff. And, um, some of the freight dogs and the, the cargo guys may get a, get an idea of this, but you do, you do a lot of stuff that early on in your career, you're, you're eager to fly, but you don't know when you should say no in terms of like what you're competent and, and willing and, and able, uh, or should do. So, um, I did pick up the, uh, the, the flying, the ferry flights. Um, I did do repo flights and I did do uh, mechanical test flying and things like that, you know, for, for planes that had come out of maintenance and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, I, I like how you said that. It's like, you can say no, but like you said, when you're an early time pilot, you don't know how to say no because you're like, well, I need flight time. I don't have anywhere else to get it. And I know personally, I had a ske- like semi sketchy first job where I had a lot of failing equipment. And I know a lot of other people, like your first job, a lot of times sucks. Like you're going to be flying some sketchy stuff. You're going to be kind of struggling a little bit. So it's, it's a good, it's good to learn how to say no early in your career. Cause it could save you. It's like for that random person wants to go to Scottsdale, like you said, or Flagstaff, you need to make sure that you are doing this legally. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's one of those things, man. You, uh, you have to know when to, uh, when to say no and you have to know when to hang it up for the day. And, and that's paramount. That is paramount that you, uh, that you, you learn that. I didn't learn that until probably I'd say about, well, I don't know if I still know it. I still like to fly, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> right. but, uh, but realistically, I'd say it probably took me up to, I'd say about a, about a thousand hours where I was like, all right, man, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, I would agree with you. I'd say it took about a thousand hours or even 750 hours because I've, I've a mentor told me one time when I told him I had 750 hours, he goes, dude, be careful. That's the worst time to be a pilot because you think you know everything, but you don't like you are just now getting your base knowledge of this industry. Yeah, that is true. I'd say it took me about 750 to a thousand hours before I was willing to say no. And, uh, you know, that's the industry. A lot of people, um, a lot of people don't know that, uh, or, or never know that, but, but, uh, 
fortunately, once you make your once you make it past probably your first or second job in aviation, um, you know, upwards to a regional or a, or a or a cargo or a corporate department of it of a company, uh, you have a pretty good sound knowledge. Unless you really messed up and you're just taking job to job because no one else will hire you. But once you get to once you get to a 121 or a 135 or a cargo outfit, you're usually pretty schooled up and you've got a good good foundational knowledge of when to say no. Especially a 135 freight dog. I've, I've flown through some thunderstorms that has taught me to not fly through those ever again. So you learn from your mistakes and you learn from your experiences and it's, it just takes time. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It does. It does. It definitely takes time. Yeah. And uh, so you were a flight instructor and then did you, what did you do after becoming a flight instructor? I know you said you flew the Pilatus and you flew a Sirius. So you went to the regional route. Yeah. Yeah. So I flew for a, uh, flew for a regional and, um, and, and I'll tell you what, man, it, it, it gets a bad rap and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you the one thing uh, the reason why it gets a bad rap is the mentality that pilots have uh, being at a regional because you're kind of at that tweener stage. You know, you're like you're like 14. You can't drive, but you but you want to steal your mom's car. You're not 18, but you want to smoke. You're not 21, but you want to drink. And everyone tells you no, but you think you know everything. Well, the regional time was probably the best time of my life because I embraced it. I was a little bit older. I was a little bit more mature, and the people were just great, dude. And and I mean that sincerely, not as a way to like be like, oh yeah, the company is great. There are certain aspects of the company that are there. It's a job; they're going to make you work. But the people that you fly with, uh, the 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 experience that you gain, and the people that you meet, the places that you go. I mean, you're going to these small towns, man, and you're flying in, in a jet. And when you get out of the the airport, you know, you're one of probably three or four crew members, depending on what you're flying. Uh, and, and it is, it's great, man. You're going in these small towns and, uh, you, you get to see parts of the country, you know, that, that most people don't get to see. And, and it gets a bad rap because the pay sucks. The hours suck. The planes are, you know, it all sucks. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it is, it truly is. It, it, it truly is a, a, a fun environment. If you embrace it for, for what it is, you're not going to make a million dollars. There are guys that stayed to regional for their career and they're completely happy with it. They're off 20 days a month or 18 days a month, and they're completely happy. They don't have to commute. They drive to work. They're done. Um, then there are other guys that chase uh, heavier metal, bigger airlines. But I'll tell you what, if, if you're planning on flying for a regional, the best thing that you can do is just embrace it. And if you're not doing it the right way, you're not going to like it. So what's that tell you? If for whatever reason you're not liking it, change the way that you're doing it, change your mentality, change your perspective. And you'll find that there's some pretty cool things that you can get yourself into flying regionally, uh, whether it's learning how to say no, whether it's learning what you're willing to tolerate in terms of a crew environment, whether it's learning how to, how to manage a, a complex system of a, of an aircraft. Those are all, um, those are all things that you have to embrace. And, and we do, we make fun of the regionals. I mean, you, you, you'll see it on our, on our pages. Um, but a lot of it is stimulated based off of the fact that, dude, I would not have that ability to create that content if I did not immerse myself in that culture so well. Because I'll tell you what, the reason why some of the content that we create gets popular is because the immersion that we've put ourselves in in that industry. And even in the mainline world, uh, you have to understand that it's not the same. When you're on a regional, you're with the same crew for four days. It's usually two flight attendants and, and two pilots or one flight attendant if you're in a 50-seater. And you're flying around for four days. You get to know each other. You're doing six legs a day, five legs a day, four legs a day. You're doing a lot of work. 
and for low pay. So you learn these people, you learn who they are, you know, you're spending time with them, you're going out, you're having dinner, a couple of beers, whatever. And then when you go to a mainline environment, different flight attendants, different crew, uh, and then they're splitting you up. And as soon as you go to a hotel, uh, more often than not, I'd say about seven times out of 10, uh, the, the captain and the FO go to their own rooms and you don't see each other for, for the next 12, 16, 18 hours, depending on how long your layover is. And your flight attendants are on their way to Seattle or on their way to Portland, uh, or, yeah. or Newark. So you, you, you have to embrace the regional flying for what it is. You're learning a lot about people and you're learning a lot about how to handle situations. And, and I'll tell you, man, it, it was truly like, it was like, it was like the post college college for me. You know, it was like, I, I, I enjoyed it. You know, most people get bitter about it and like, ah, F the company or I hate this, this sucks. But dude, in reality, the environment's pretty cool. You're flying a jet for the first time for most people. You're going really fast. You're dealing with the schedule and you're dealing with the timetable. And, uh, and, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good learning environment and it's a good environment to embrace rather than get mad at. I like the way you worded that, how you need to embrace it rather than get mad at it and learn as much as you can from the situation. And it's refreshing to hear a different outtake than what's been given pretty much on all the internet websites or the forums or, or anything on Instagram. It's, it's so much like deterred people away from regionals. I mean, in my mind, like I want to avoid the regionals as much as possible, but that's because of what I've heard. And now that they're starting to pay better and I have more friends that are into it, more friends that are taking it for what it is, like you're saying, and telling it, hey, it's actually not that bad. Like you can make decent money if you work hard. You can enjoy it. Like you can fly a 175, which is not a bad airplane. Like no. it's a pretty cool airplane to get into on your first jet. You know, it's not like you're flying a crappy turboprop or anything like that. And I mean, I know the turboprops that they have aren't necessarily crappy, but it's a cool airplane and very technologically sound. Yeah, and, and you'll meet these guys, man. Uh, the, the regional flying is so, uh, I mean, it, it's very hardcore. Like the guys in the Northeast, you'll see them. Uh, I'm going to give them a shout out here. The guys for Commute Air, they're probably the biggest fans of the page. Now, I, I did not fly for Commute Air, but the guys up in the Northeast, uh, the New York area, the, the Northeast area, those guys fly the Dash 8. And I get so much... Like I get so much feedback from them. Uh, they like they they've invited me to a couple of their parties. They wanted our staff. To, they're like, dude, we'll give you we'll give you buddy passes. Come over to a couple of our parties, whatever. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. You know, like that's the last thing I need to do is tell my wife I'm going out of town to party with a bunch of guys up in the northeast. <laughs> but dude, they're hardcore, man. Like they're hardcore. They embrace that turbo prop. You know, it's like that's hard time. You know, it's like you know a a, a guy that's it's like a worn as a badge of honor. The guys at Delta, uh, dude, those guys that fly that Mad Dog man, the MD88, the MD90. I'll tell you what, those guys they embrace the Mad Dog so much, man. And then and then you fly with some of the guys that flew uh, the Brasilia and the Saab uh, up and down the West Coast uh, for American Eagle and the Saab, and then SkyWest and the Brasilia up and down the West Coast. Those guys, man, they they loved flying that stuff. And now, granted, the money wasn't there, so why would they stay there? But they take that time, and they you, you know you find the guys that do embrace it. But uh, the guys at Commute Air fly the Dash Eight up in uh, the Northeast. They'll appreciate the shout out because I do I do reply to all of their comments. I know who they are, and uh, and they do they love that Dash Eight. But now, like you said, the pay is getting better. The industry is getting better. Um, the movement is 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 there now. Uh, you're getting these planes like the 175 that are kind of like a real airplane. You know, it's not like a like a turboprop like you said. 
and you have to ask yourself this, like for one second, you know, it's like you're making forty-five to fifty thousand dollars a year, first year pay, give or take. You know, I'm probably going to get crucified for saying that, and I'm not saying that by any means. This is a fair wage for the job that they do, but look at where it has come from just the past seven years. I mean, it was like 19 bucks an hour was the average first year pay. And it was like $17,000 a year, uh, seven years ago. Now, if it were up to me, I would say pay the guys as much money as they want. But then again, my airline would probably be bankrupt. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. But you have to be honest with yourself. At least it is getting better. Now, if it it were me and I were at a a regional, I would deny every pay package until I I made a million dollars. But that's why I'm not in management. So... (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. It it is. You have to to take it within reason. Um, But again, at the same time, you have to be... And I'm very... I'm very proactive uh, pilot group wise. I'm very pro pilot group uh, rather than I am pro propaganda. Even though I do put those Sully prints out there, I am very pro pilot group and I'm very, I, I, I stand on the line of the side of the pilots uh, rather than walking on that line. I mean, I'm very vocal about that in some of the posts that I do. Um, and then also some of the other posts that you may have seen uh, other admins put out there as well. Um, your work should never be discounted uh, or nor should it be be prorated for any amount in that regard. But that is that is the nature that we live in. And, and if it were up to me, I would, uh, which it's not, but I'd be like, man, <laughs> Start the regional guys out at a hundred grand and pay the mainline guys a million. Right. But, uh, but then, but then we'd all be bitching like, "Why are we only getting a hundred grand?" I, I know. know. <laughs> so you have to take it into perspective. But uh, but yeah, I I write a hard line with the pilot group in terms of more money. <laughs> I can appreciate that as a fellow pilot, we all appreciate it. I write a, I write a really I write a really really strong. Uh, strong side of that fence for sure. I would honestly say that if you asked every single passenger on board, they would want pilots to get paid as much as they possibly can because we, you have 100, 200, 300 people on an airplane at a time and it's no joke. Yeah, it is no joke. And, and, and a lot of that, um, what the, what the public sees is, is a door. Um, but, but what goes on behind that door, there's actually a lot of work. There's a lot of calculated, uh, calculated decisions and a lot of calculated, uh, I guess, madness that goes into it. There are lows, uh, there are lulls in the activity, but, uh, when, when thing, when the workload is very, very high, it's a very high and a very fast paced workload. And, and all the general public sees is that gray door that, that, uh, blocks them off from the rest of the world. Yep. For sure. And they hear all the people say how pilots aren't doing anything and how everyone's going to switch to drones and stuff. And it kind of undermines the ability and the capabilities of having two human lives up there. Yeah, it does. And and that's good. That's good parody and it's good satire. Um, but in reality, there is a, there is a high, high level of, uh, high level of accountability for the people that, uh, that do do that job. And, and rightfully so they should be, be paid a, a very handsome salary and and I just uh, one day I hope uh, what whatever trickles down from from what I can create I hope that it impacts the industry in a way to where pilots are are at least paid more right. that's my uh, that's my my goal I just want to be paid more <laughs> yeah man I mean we have a we have a very special skill you know like not everyone can be a pilot like I mean I'm not saying not everyone can be a pilot but it takes a special person to pursue this as a career, to put them through the things that we've gone through, to fly across the Rockies and shady equipment. Like it takes someone special 
some people might call them stupid to keep getting in that airplane. So I'm all for getting yeah. paid as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I tell everyone, man, there's one way to do it. And every crossroads I came up to, I, I, I looked for the guy with the dark glasses and asked if I could sell him my soul. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that, that, that's no joke, man. And, and there, there's a, I, I guess an analogy or, a, or I guess that's a euphemism for, for what I've done career wise, but it's like, yeah, at every crossroads, Every crossroads that I came to along my way through this uh, industry, it's like I just looked for the guy with the dark glasses, and each one that I could find, I asked him if he wanted my soul, <laughs> and uh, and and eventually I, I I found the found the guy at the crossroads, and and he had glasses on, and he said, "All right, I'll take your soul." <laughs> yeah. and, and then he started flying for a regional, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it is it's, it 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 is it's a tough industry. Your first year is always going to be rough, no matter where you go. Um, it's the seniority based industry, so you're at the low man of the totem pole. Uh, commuting sucks. I've commuted. I still commute. Um, I I'll tell you what, man. I think I think commuting should be outlawed, or at least every airline should have some sort of commuter clause. Um, I think that that would be reasonable. Uh, and then I also, I also firmly, firmly stand with the minimum, the minimum crew rest issue. And, and I, I do believe in, in all of that are, those are all good things that, uh, the industry could embrace a little bit more than they do now. And I think that that, that would mean a huge thing to some of the guys that commute that have commuted for 20 years. And it's a tough life. It's a really tough life. No, no, it's definitely a tough life. I've seen my dad commute. He's he flies for American Airlines and he was a former Piedmont, US Airways and US Air, whatever you, whatever airline you want to call it. He's probably been it that's been under American now, but he's had to commute to Washington, to Philly, to, to pretty much every single base that there is just so he can hold a block. Because like you said, seniority rules the game. And that's one of the things that I keep on preaching is that get your stuff as fast as possible. Like you got yours in eight months and look where you are now. You're, you're doing what you wanted to do and you're at a company that you probably want to stay at for the rest of your life where yeah. if you took five years, you just lost five years. You just lost an extra or you lost in your, we would have lost like four years and a couple, four months, but you went after it as fast as possible. And now you have gained so much seniority over people that maybe want to spread it out or thought that, Oh, maybe I don't know how to do this or they're undecisive in their career. But if you just get your time as fast as possible, speed up your career like no other. Yeah, that's the, that's the 100% truth. Um, the more you delay it, the, the, the greater disservice you're doing to yourself. And, uh, it, it is painful. And I look back and I remember my dad telling me, you know, my dad's like, yeah, you know, just bite the bullet. It'll only be painful, right? For, for, you know, this long. And then it's like, things get a little bit better. Things get a little bit better. And then you're like, oh, wow, this isn't so bad. And then, you know, something shifts or something changes. And like, like your father, uh, you know, he, he dealt with multiple mergers or whatever. And he, you know, he's commuting to Philly or commuting to Dallas or commuting to Boston. And, and you're looking at some of this and you're like, Jesus, how do these people do that? But it is, it is tough, man. And, and those are, those are things that, uh, through, uh, through the industry, uh, I, I foresee that the change is happening and, and, uh, and, and they're good compared to what they were even five years ago. So that's all, that's all good stuff. Oh, yeah. And it, it, hopefully it just continues to trend up. I mean, as we all know, aviation goes in the weirdest cycles you could ever imagine. It's always going to go up and it's always going to go back down. And you just got to find yourself on the right side and get in at the right time and just hold on for dear life because some people don't have the, the ability to hold on and don't have the, the capabilities. They get furloughed and other stuff like that. So you got to got to get in why it's good and get in as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the truth. And and, uh, you, you know, you like 
like you say, you make the best of it, man. I mean, I tell you, if you dwell on some of the negativity stuff, and I did, I, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, early on in the industry, uh, when I transitioned to the airline, I, I will not. I, I'll be the first one to be 100% honest with you, man. I was like, dude, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to cut this. And uh, and you know, you do your job. You put your head down. You do your job. Don't make any mistakes. Don't let don't let the negativity eat you up. But uh, it, it's it's tough to it's tough to do that. It's hard to look past it, like you said, but you have to try. It's for the best of your career, for your family, for everyone that's believed in you and where you are today and just got to do what you got to do, man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. So I want to go back and touch on, I know that you mentioned you might have some crazy stories about being a flight instructor. Do you have, does anyone one or two come out that you want to talk about where a student tried to kill you or just a crazy situation that happened? Oh yeah, man. I was, uh, I, let me let me think here, man. I mean, I got tons of them, dude. Like, I got I got I got tons of. Them. I, I was fine with this. I saw this guy, man. He's about my age. He uh, he came in, a really nice guy, and uh, we went up and we were practicing, you know, doing those S turns and steep turns and all those flight instruction stuff. We're on the practice and we come back, and I was like, hey, you know, let's go practice some stalls. as an introduction to stalls, you know, and uh, you know, I had him pitch the nose up, you know, more right rudder, pitch the nose up, more right rudder, and. Uh, you know, you get to the stall, you break the stall, whatever. So we did a couple repetitions of those. I demonstrated them to him and I, I gave him the controls and I said, Hey, you just, you just use your feet. I'm going to use the yoke, pull it back, you know, pitch up, just show him how much right rudder he's got. So then I felt comfortable with him working his feet and, uh, I gave him the yoke and I was like, all right, man, your control, show me a, show me a power off stall. And <laughs> we're probably like, I don't know, maybe 3000 feet above the ground. And, uh, and, uh, he pitches the nose up and, you know, you start to hear the stall horn and then you hear the buffet and dude, I don't know what it was, man, but this guy just locked up and, oh, he, no. and he just slammed the yoke forward. I mean, it damn near broke the, the firewall. Oh and, wow. And, uh, and the, the pitch of the airplane, man, I mean, I was like looking at the ground upside down. I'm in a little 172. And I'm looking, I'm like upside down, probably like maybe three quarters upside down, like not 100% inverted. And, uh, and I'm looking at the ground and I was like, dude, my controls, my controls, man, my controls. And he's like just frozen, you know, now he's got like that shock sensation. He's like looking at the ground through the roof. And, uh, I had to reach over and like chop his elbows and this all happened. <laughs> like this, you know, this happened. I, I, you know, the story takes longer than the actual event. Right. But all this probably happened within a period of about 10 seconds. And uh, we got a call on the CTAF. And there was no one around. It was a small, uncontrolled field. No one's around. And we got a call for all of the CTAF from the fire department asking, uh, asking if there was an aircraft that was in distress, you know, about, about three, four miles to the northwest of the field. And I just didn't reply. I was like, no, I'm not going to say anything. You know, it just came in and whatever. And apparently they're, they're like out there like watching us and they saw this plane flip over and it was, it was pretty, it was pretty detrimental. And that kid, bless his soul. Uh, he came back. Uh, he came back for another flight. He had probably about 10 hours. We were doing like pre solo work, you know, and, uh, he came back and, and, uh, ended up finishing his finishes in his pilot license and, and all was well. But, uh, that was, that was probably the, uh, the best, the, the best almost killed me story. And then, and then the, the best flight instructor story, there was this guy on the field and, uh, he was a doctor, very wealthy. Uh, this guy had like four airplanes, like a steerman, a Lancer, a couple of katanas. 
and uh, he he was this guy was so cheap, penny pinched everything, and uh, he went and would go to a different airport and fill up this hundred gallon drum of a hundred low lead, and he'd keep it in his hangar. Well, his son was like 15, 16 years old and wanted to learn how to fly. And his dad wanted to learn how to fly. So he's like, hey, here's the keys to my hangar. You guys just fly with my son whenever. So after probably about a month of flying with this kid, the dad never paid myself and this other flight instructor for flying with his son. It's just a penny pincher. And we knew him. Like, we knew him. Like, he was, he was more of like a close acquaintance, like a friend. But he was an older guy and uh, very successful. And uh, we we're like, dude, has so-and-so paid you and he's like no is he paid you i was like no so we're like well shoot let's just go steal his airplanes <laughs> so me and the other flight instructor we went over and we would take up these airplanes at our own leisure <laughs> <laughs> and we would use his hundred low lead gas and we would just take and rip this airplane. i mean dude, it didn't matter what it was it was a you know whether it was the the steerman or the the little katanas or the lancer you know that the the guy is the doctor he's out doing his own thing he never knows he's like he got never paid attention to that stuff and then one day he came over to the flight school and me and the other instructor is sitting there and he's like i want a word with you guys and we're like what and he's like how come half of my 100 low lead 100 barrels or 100 gallon barrels missing and we're like oh we don't know just kind of dusted it under the rug so then the flight instructor and I were like, well, we're not going to stop until he pays us. So we went up. <laughs> so we went up the next day, went up, ripped it. And we would do that. I mean, like, dude, just, we would do, I mean, it was like no holds barred. It'd be like, whatever you want to do in this airplane, we'll do it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, let's go, let's go here. Let's go here. Let's go here. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's go practice this. And, uh, you know, just come back and, and then not say a word, just fill up the thing with gasoline again. Then we'd fly this kid. So he caught, he kind of caught on and he came over and then, and then that was probably like two months in. I mean, we probably flew that plane a good 40 hours. <laughs> that's, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and then that's when the guy started paying us. And ultimately his son got his, got his pilot certificate. The dad was happy and, and we ended up getting not as much money as we should have, but we did rip the, rip the hell out of his airplanes for free. That's like a lesson that you can take from aviation that there's some people that are kind of shady in the industry. And I mean, they're penny pinchers and they don't want to spend money either on maintenance or they want to pay you for a job that you've done. And <laughs> it's just part of the industry and you got to find a way around it. And maybe yep. they don't take the, the actions that you did, but I mean, like it, that's what you had to do. That's what you had to do to get your attention and to get paid. And it's, it's borderline hilarious. <laughs> I was like, I, I literally we were sitting there and I was like, dude, I got the keys to so-and-so's planes. And they're like, really? And I was like, yeah, it's for his kid. And they're like, all right, dude, well, we haven't been paid. Let's go take his planes out. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah, we, we definitely, definitely got, got a few paychecks paid in flight time. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, flight time is king as any pilot will learn. You need to get yeah. your flight time. So yep. that's hilarious. And you do, totally took, you got to do what you got to do to the next level. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome type of thing i want to do it's called a rapid fire section and it's really simple i'm just gonna ask you a bunch of it's like eight really simple questions and you just sure. come up with the first thing that comes to your mind so the first one's gonna be what's your favorite airplane you've ever flown uh that i've ever flown i'll be honest with you probably the uh probably steerman probably okay. steerman yeah what's your dream airplane a plane that you've always wanted to fly oh i'm i'm in love with the 747 man but i you know i, I i'd say the 747 yeah it's a shame that a lot of people are getting rid of them now. Yeah, yeah. So sad. 
What's your favorite Instagram account to follow? Or favorite, I guess, favorite aviation kind of community, either Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever to follow? You know, man, I, to, to be honest with you, before I started my own page, because I've been so consumed with that, uh, I would have to say uh, there's that guy on there. He does like live from the flight deck. Some of the videos that he makes are just absolutely stunning. Uh, he's oh, not, I know he's, you're talking about, yeah. He's not parody. He's not, not, not satire, but he, he's got a really good set of videos. He's a European 737 captain. So if he's listening, a uh, whatever his name is, live from the flight deck, check out uh, Airline Pilot Memes. <laughs> I'll give him a shout out. I'll, I'll message him, let him know we're talking about him. Good deal. Do you prefer long trips or short trips? So I mean long, do you like hour-wise? Do you like to fly across country or would you rather do like a 45-minute flight from point A to point B? Oh, man, I'm two hours or less. Yeah. Two hours or less, yeah. You start getting stir crazy in the plane, anything over two hours? Yeah, and then, uh, you know, like I don't like sitting. Plus, it's like I, I, I like to stretch my legs. I like to use the bathroom. I like to yeah. I like to get something to eat. I like to get something to drink. And, and uh, I mean, I can do I can do a transcon, but uh, I, I, I definitely like to, uh, to, to, to keep moving. Would you rather fly over cities, mountains, country, or beaches? Mountains. Mountains. If you weren't a pilot, what would you want to be? Oh, to be honest with you, uh, probably I'd say a professional golfer. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> Heck yeah. I was looking at how much money that they make and it is unbelievable. Yeah, my neighbor's a, my neighbor's a golfer on the web.com tour and he went to the, he went to the Air Force Academy, flew in the, flew in the Air Force and got out and, uh, now he's on the web.com tour. So I, I play, uh, play a little bit with him and then play with some, some other guys in the, in the area. But yeah, I'd probably Good be a professional. Professional golfer, professional athlete of some sort. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Professional athlete would be awesome. Yeah. Would you? What do you like better, Piper or Cessna? Oh, you know, man, I've, I, I'm a biased source here because I haven't flown a Piper. So I would say uh, I'd probably say a Cessna. Okay. And uh, what's a plane you've always – I guess I've already asked this, but is there any other planes that you've always wanted to fly? Yeah, you know, I, I I'm a I'm a thrill seeker. So if I could have had a had a chance to fly something fast in the in the military, I'd say that's probably the big detour in my career. Uh, I was enlisted uh, military, but uh, if if I could have changed that route, I probably would have detoured back into the military and and flown. Yeah, fly like an F twenty two. That would be sweet. Yeah, F twenty two, F eighteen, F sixteen, something fast. Yeah, that'd be cool. I think extra three hundred would be pretty cool too. Oh yeah, I would do an. I I, yeah. I would love to break the wings off of that. You are a part of airline pilot memes, and it has been such a refreshing website for me to come across, and I'm sure other readers can agree with that. Um, what I know that the website is airlinepilotmemes.com. Uh, do you guys have anything planned in the future? Do you guys have anything other than the memes and videos? And do you have any partnerships or anything? Are you an ATC memes kind of brewing up something special? I know that you have the Monopoly board that you guys have been kind of featuring recently. Do you have anything you want to talk about that? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, uh, airlinepilotmemes.com and then also autopilotchill.com. Both of them redirect you to the same page. Um, we, uh, we did do the monopoly board, but we found out last night, got an email, uh, that, uh, crowd, uh, crowdfunding is not authorized for, uh, for developing a, a monopoly game. And that's due to, uh, licensing and competition agreements with, uh, Hasbro. So we had to discontinue the Kickstarter uh, campaign, and we're on our way uh, trying to get some private uh, private uh, people to uh, source some funding with. So that'll that'll be uh, hopefully here in the works. Uh, down in Houston uh, this fall, we're going to be with ATC Memes at uh, the Houston Air Show, 
and uh, trying to get uh, trying to get a little bit of exposure down there. Uh, we're working right now. Just came out with uh, city baseball logos today. Uh, that's the new T-shirt line for the All Star Game. Uh, we're all kind of sports junkies uh, at the page, and then uh, down in um, down in Houston, those guys are as well too at ATC memes. Um, but yeah, that's those are the big things. The Pokemon cards. Uh, <laughs> we 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 hopefully hopefully we'll have the stickers coming in on those. We're waiting to hear back off from our attorney on that. Uh, <laughs> every everything goes through our attorney. Uh, we do use the same attorney, ATC memes and airline pilot memes. We do use the same attorney, and uh, we do make sure that uh, everything that we post for sale is uh, is actually not going to get us sued. Uh, <laughs> that's smart. <laughs> so, so yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, the new line that we just came out with today, you'll see it. Uh, it's going to go up on the website this evening. It's going to be the, uh, baseball, uh, city. So any city with a baseball team, uh, we've done some designs to rebrand the logos, uh, for, for aviation. Uh, so you'll see those and then, uh, stay tuned. We do have another set of parody Pokemon cards coming out here in the next uh, week or so. I can't give too many specific details on those, <laughs> right. but, uh, but, uh, those will, those will probably be a hit. And then, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're planning some big things with ATC memes down in Houston. You'll see us down there. You'll be able to pick up, uh, if you follow us on Snapchat or Instagram, uh, you've seen some of the shirts, uh, we're going to be bringing, uh, four of our most popular designs down there for uh for the uh for the air show so that'll uh that'll definitely hopefully be a kick and then uh yeah i'd like to thank uh thank all the fans thank you justin uh for inviting me and uh for at least uh at least reaching out you know we do we do answer emails we do answer phone calls uh you'll find our contact information on the website and um and uh definitely let us know if if there's anything that uh that uh, you need from us, Justin. We we don't. Uh, one thing that I do want to put out there is is we have had some some businesses or some some companies ask if we would endorse their products. We don't do product endorsements. Uh, we'll endorse your uh, podcast or something like this if we're we're featured on it or or whatever. But uh, just for licensing purposes, we uh, we don't want you to get sued along with us if we endorse your product. <laughs> yeah, so. that'd be a big problem. <laughs> But yeah, we'll uh, we'll uh, look forward to to seeing uh, seeing uh, pilot to pilot featured on uh, airline pilot memes. We'll post this up as soon as it as soon as it goes live. And Sounds uh, good, man. and uh, Justin, thanks again for having us. And uh, yeah, no well, last last oh man. Oh yeah, I O man all day, all day long, man. Yeah, all day. Go Buckeyes. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. That's awesome, man. Well, right before you go, one thing I just want to make sure everyone knows that airline pilot memes and ATC memes are two completely separate things. <laughs> They're not the same. <laughs> we are so, not the same. We get that. Yeah. All, we get that all the time. Uh, we get we get the we get a lot of questions asking if we're the same people that run the same pages, and we're yeah. not. The, the the three guys that run uh, ATC memes are different than the three guys that run airline pilot memes. Um, the other admin is uh, Ballrock. Who uh, he's the guy that does the Lego pilot videos, and then also does some of the satire posts on our page. And then there's uh, there's another guy that runs uh, runs the Instagram. Uh, you'll see him on there. And then uh, and then uh, yeah, that, those are the three of us. But yeah, we're completely separate. That's awesome, man. Well, cool. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. I can't wait to share this with everyone. And uh, yeah, man, I appreciate it. All right. Sounds good, Justin. You take care and have a uh, good rest of your day. Fly safe. That is a wrap of episode number 13 of the Pilot to Pilot podcast. AV Nation, I am so thankful for you taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. Two things I want you to remember, redeem.log10.com slash pilot to pilot, where you can get 12 to 23% off Log10 Pro X. It's a great way to save money. And then the next one is 
our Patreon account. Patreon.com slash pilot the pilot. Help support this community. Help support AV Nation. Help us to create the best content possible. I hope you guys have a great week and I hope you guys fly a lot. Up next on the podcast is going to be Pilot Maria. So look forward to that. Happy flying, Aviation.